Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in one of a few ways now. Uh, you clearly get it at my blog, which is lrdgaul.podbean.com, or enter Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes or SoundCloud uh, search engine, and it pops right up. We're supposed to be on Spotify. It just hasn't happened yet for whatever reason. Uh, my connection isn't working with them, but uh, that's coming too for the Spotify fans. So let's go ahead and get right into it. I meant to do this podcast uh, a week ago, but then uh, it was Christmas time. I was like, man, I'm going to wait till uh, all that dies down, give people a little bit more time to, to listen to really pay attention to the podcast when it comes out uh, because the content I'm talking about is something that I've seen a lot of. Uh, I am going to talk about the legitimacy of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's kickboxing record. He is a mixed martial arts fighter, very, very talented fighter. Uh, He's very skilled, but Anytime his record comes up, you'll hear like a 55 and 0 or something for his pro fights, something along those lines. And there are so many people out there who believe he is the greatest kickboxer of all time or one of the greatest kickboxers of all time because he's never lost. So because of that, I was like, well, you know, I will use this as a platform to educate. So not to make fun of or jump down on anybody. Uh, That's not what I want to do with my podcast. There are some things that, of course, will cross you know uh uh, push some buttons but i wanted people to legitimately know and understand who this guy is what he is in kickboxing and what he is as a talent so first things first stephen wonderboy thompson off of the eye test the eye test i could see that if he were to fight some of the elite guys of his era he would have some success It is very, very easy for me to see this. He's a talented guy. He's extremely long. He's extremely crafty. Uh, But in the way that Raymond Daniels was able to have some success, he would have success. So I cannot stress this enough. It is easy for me to look at him and say, hey, this guy's tough. He'd be able to give some guys some fits with that style. Easy to see. It's also important that I say, whenever you break down a fighter, it comes down to one uh, I guess one simple principle, who they fought, when they fight him, how they fight him, who they beat, when they beat him, how they beat him. Those are the, that trinity of understanding is how you should always rate every combat sports when it comes to deciding who is the best of all time. That very simple. Don't care about the zero, care about who'd you beat, when'd you beat him, how'd you beat him. Because if you're talking about someone great, they're going to have way more of those than they're going to have of losses. So it's important that I say that because that is the number one thing that hurts any argument for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Doesn't mean that he's not talented. Doesn't mean that it's not clear to look at his skill and see how talented this young man is. But when you say that, when you do that, you look at someone's era when they fought. And he fought in kickboxing pro between 2001, 2002 to 2008. Which means there are some all-time great names that he would have had to fight in that era for his convers- or his, for his name to come up in the conversation. It is extremely important. This did not happen. Okay, this did not happen. He did not fight the best guys of his era. So, give you an example of some names that happened. Yuri Mess was considered one of the best of all time in that era, like like uh, 77 kg, so around 170 pounds. Yuri Mess is one of the names. Tyrone Spong is one of the names for one of the best of all time. Uh, uh, 
Andret Spiebel, one of the names all the time, you know, for 77 KGs, awesome, awesome fighter. Demetrius Sikuda, awesome, awesome fighter. There are so many guys who, you know, those five pop in my head immediately, who were building their resume and building their resume against each other on the highest stage of kickboxing. Shehan Yakut, another good guy. Like, there's so many guys where you look and you go, okay, uh, this era produced these guys. And then on the back end of that area, the towards 2008, 2007, that's when you're first seeing Nikki Holtzkin appear. You know, you're starting to see even another generation. Doesn't mean he's not talented. Doesn't mean he's not a good fighter. But Stephen Wonderboy Thompson did not fight those names. It's important. They were the best names in the world at that time. He did not have those opportunities to fight those guys. Now, again, it could be management. It could be because he focused on his kickboxing style. But it's important to understand that if you were to look at any great boxer's, you know, resume, you're going to say, okay, well, if you're undefeated and great, who are the other guys that you fought in your era? This will help some and hurt others when it comes to that argument. That is the place where Stephen Wonderboy Thompson sits. Doesn't mean he's not a good fighter. Doesn't mean that he wouldn't have had success against those guys. But we can't use the could have, would have, should have when you're talking about the best in the world. You can only talk, or excuse me, the best of all time. You can only talk about who'd you beat, when'd you beat him, how'd you beat him. The... Who'd you beat, of course, is the names. Who are the guys at the top? Do the guys you beat, did they beat other guys that are very good? That's very important. When'd you beat them? Extremely, extremely important. Did you catch them on the tail end of their career? Give you an example. Georgia Petrosian is considered, skill-wise, one of the greatest kickboxers ever. But you can also make the argument that he came in on the tail end of the K1 Max. Bacow and Andy Sauer and Masato had all been beating each other up for four or five, you know, six years, I think, before Petrosian finally got his opportunity. Then he didn't get Masato in his prime, uh, would have got him at the end. Didn't fight Bacow again after that. He did fight, uh, I want to say, I can't remember the year it was with Sauer, but you you look at it and a lot of it happened later. You know, like it happened, he got Yotzenkai later. He got some of the greats. Uh, Arthur Kashinko later he got a lot of great names doesn't mean these guys weren't still good but you can make the argument that he got a lot of them past their early youth prime because for that weight class the prime usually comes a little bit quicker so you can make that argument flash forward to just recently last year superbond gets a knockout over petrosian now does it mean that superbond is considered the greatest of all time you don't hear a lot of people saying that. A lot of people feel, man, Petrosian is still very good, but he's past his prime, as talented as he is. So even though he got this KO victory, it would have meant more if he did it a long time ago. That's why the win is important. When did you do, when did you fight them? Unfortunately, uh, this is another area where you look at his resume and you go, okay, um, uh, Carlos Turney, who's he beaten lately? Tim Williams, who'd he beat afterwards? Uh, James DeCorey, I'll give him some love. Uh, our men, um, uh, excuse me, McCarron, Morovic, excuse me, I'm saying that name wrong. He actually had a pretty solid career in mixed martial arts and other kickboxing things afterwards. He's another name that I look at. Uh, these are names I'm reading off of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's resume. I look at these names and I go, okay. They're probably the few that did something outside of it, but it should also be noted. At World Combat League, and these are World Combat League fights, he had his first World Combat League fight in 2000 and I want to say it was 2006. 2006, 
and he fought all world combat until he went to MMA. And his last one was in, what was it? Uh, I think it's two years of resume where he got six or seven fights. Those are one round fights. Those were, if you win the round, uh, it's a you know it's a draw. You get a decision. You sometimes you come back and you fight the the same guy uh, later in the night. So it's kind of like two separate rounds. Their goal is for action. So you got penalized for not throwing a lot of strikes. And it's uh, it was a different style of karate. You know, point scoring even for karate's point scoring. Now I've got no problem with that because Glory Kickboxing, K1 Kickboxing, they have their own form of rules for kickboxing. But if I look at this guy. Look at who he fought, when he fought them. It's clear, 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 clear to me that those names do not ring in the kickboxing community. So that does work against him. Works against him that, you know, it would have been helping. Shoot, the best name on his resume was going to be Raymond Daniels. Why? Because Raymond went and tested himself. He went over to Glory, went against some of the best guys in the world, went against some of the best guys in the States. Had some success. Had some success. No shame in, in, in losing to Nikki Holtzkin. No shame in losing to Bazooka Joe. He tested himself. He found out, you know. Uh, I, I really say, you know, give him a lot of credit. That guy challenged himself. Steve Wonderboy Thompson, he also challenged himself. Challenged himself in a different way. He went to mixed martial arts and had a lot of success. It's very important that I point this part out because I feel like People hear me do this podcast and I'm like, oh, you're bashing this guy. Not bashing him at all. Clearly, it's easy to see he's a talent and it's easy to see that he decided to test himself in mixed martial arts as opposed to going into a kickboxing, you know, K, you know, glory K1 type career, which financially was probably a much better decision. But if I'm going to say what makes him great, the hoodie beat and when he beat him definitely work against him. How'd you beat him? That actually would work in his favor. Had he gone against some elite enamel games, he's got some really good, uh, you can look at them, they're still on YouTube. Uh, the uh, James DeCore, uh, uh head kick KO was dope. Tim Williams, uh, he's got some stoppages. You know, he's got some, he was on his way to accomplishing the how did you beat him. He just doesn't have the names. If he gets that same head kick over, you know, Tyrone Spong or over Demetrius Shakuta, uh, you think about it way different. He gets it over Cosmo Alexander, you think about it way different. But the fact that, the names that he beat by KO don't ring in the kickboxing community. It does hurt him. It does hurt him resume-wise. Next, you want to say that where does he stand if you just talk about kickboxing? Just are just karate fighters, uh, guys with that style. There's a reason why if you look at those lists and you go down those names, you don't see a lot of those lists put Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on it. This is this this is from the karate community. And it's the same community that's like, hey, look at this guy. This guy's having success. This guy's dope. You know, watch him as a fighter. He's having success in mixed martial arts. Karate can make it. Now I've been in the game for a long time. I coach hell level mixed martial artists. I was wonderfully blessed to have, you know, even just this past weekend, I got to work with the UFC 135 champion. He was in town. So I got to work with uh uh um Aljamain Sterling and I've been working with UFC guys, champions for a long time. Talent shows up. If you're skilled, it shows up. It's very, very important that I say that. With that said, the MMA community feels higher about his kickboxing resume than his community. So what I mean by that is those who are in karate, you're going to say, hey, who are the best karate fighters of all time? 
you're going to see Joe Lewis's name pop up to the top. Joe Lewis is usually, you know, fought in the uh, 70s or 80s. His name's usually going to come up first. Chuck Norris, of course, we all know Chuck. He's got all his jokes, uh, his movie and uh, TV success. Um, Mon, uh, Ron Richerney's name will come up. Mike Stone's name will come up. Mike Warren's name will come up. Bill Wallace's name will come up. Cunningham's name will come up. Uh, the Rufus's will come up. You're going to hear those names come up have you ever wondered why that community doesn't say Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is one of our best of all time and that's the direct community the reason why is because they feel his kickboxing arrow towards the end you know of that that rule set or whatever and again he was allowed to still kick in the legs so some of those guys not all their tournaments allowed them to kick in the legs there's a reason why he is down, not considered one of those elite, elite names because the elite names all fought around the same era. You know, Wallace, Warren, Stone, uh, uh, Marcini, Norris, Lewis, all those guys are late 70s, early 80s, mid 70s, early 80s. All those guys are building their resume against each other. And it's the golden age for them. Uh, they're on TV on a regular basis. Back then, they had uh, a uh, ABC's World of Sports here in America. They were regularly headlining those shows. So you had those opportunities for those guys. Very important that I say, if he's one of the greats, that community should be saying, he's one of our best ever. Instead, they're saying... He is a karate representative having success in mixed martial arts. So they appreciate what he's doing and the, he, he extends what the knowledge of, hey, karate doesn't work or karate works. He's done a great job of making a name for that style. Very important that I say that. With that said, that community isn't saying this is our best guy. So I don't want to be offensive when I say it, but it is important that I point out that the guys who should most be saying he's great aren't saying it. So we'll move on. The other part I wanted to mention was the challenging yourself thing. A lot of the names that I brought up before, Lewis, Norris, um, those guys all challenged themselves in different ways. You know, like they all, they had the waist high kickboxing, but a lot of those guys went to, you know, fought Muay Thai guys and fought. They challenged themselves. They left the karate world and said, hey, it doesn't matter. Same it. Raymond Daniels, it's same thing. It doesn't matter that these guys are more skilled than me or are skilled in a different way. I want to test my my skill against them. Man, that goes a long way. People don't understand how important stuff like that is. So when I look at that and I look at like who the best are, I uh, go to Kyokushin. And of course, Kyokushin Karate is the strongest, hardest form of karate. If you do Kyokushin Karate, if somebody says karate sucks, I say do a Kyokushin Karate class. It'll change your life, change your mentality. Even in that world, there are guys who are used to a certain style of fighting who said, I'm going to challenge myself and go against the best. Clearly, Andy Hoog, one of the top. You know what I'm saying? Andy Hoog, you go through his resume. Uh, world champion uh, many times, uh, defeated um, some of the great guys, Francisco Filho, another guy, Globe Fitoza, Edward Teixeira, uh, all guys who are extremely, extremely talented that decided that they're going to leave their comfort and go into the kick into the Muay Thai world. Nicholas Pettis did it. Uh, Sam Greco did it. These guys were like, I want to prove that I'm one of the best in the world. And that's what made K1 and its heyday so, so great. It was a way of finding, they used the King of Kings thing, you know, kind of a 
I'm Christian. That's what they use the term uh, for Christ. They say King of Kings. They use that mentality in the 90s to describe who is the best of the best because there's world champions all over the place. John Wayne Parr said it best. He said, when I came up, if you fought the best guy in the next state over, you were a world champion. That's how the resume is built. So we push away things like world champions and we look at what happens when you go against other world champions it's gonna see who rises to the top and that's why the k1 guys were so spectacular that's why peter arts is considered one of the greats of all time peter arts who he's got a strong argument for being a minimum in the top three like i i couldn't put him outside of it in my personal opinion but if you say steven why is peter arts great in the heyday of kickboxing, he was one of the best guys. Uh, I'd say he's probably the best guy. Um, not only was he the best guy, they actually had the motto, who can stop Peter Arts? In the champions versus champions, he's not just beating other champions, he's knocking them out. Uh, he is great in his prime. And then at the end of his career, when he's not in his prime, he has a 3-2 win lead over Shimmy Schilt. And one of those should be noted was like straight off the, as, as you know, like like uh, uh, off of, you know, injured from the earlier fight. So just kept, he just went out there anyways. But he has a 3-2 win over Shimmy Schilt in Shimmy Schilt's dominant era. So he has had the win-loss win over another guy in his era, in his best era. That's where you can say best guy in the 90s. Even though he wasn't the best guy in the 2000s, he was able to have success over the best guy in the 2000s. You look at his resume overall, you go, that guy could be the best. That guy's one of the best of all time. Uh, Ernesto Hoos is the same, 4K1 World Grand Prix Champions. You look at it, you go, man, it's hard to do. Injuries and, and difficulty, a level of difficulty as far as opposition, that guy's one of the greatest to ever do it. That's why you think that. But Cal, to me, probably has the best kickboxing resume of my lifetime. Not only was he... K1 World Grand Prix champion, but then he went out to continue to fight other champions, fight the WMC champion, go out fight uh, the you know the uh, 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 it's Showtime champion. Like he, to me, spread the aura of uh, kickboxing further than anybody. Just it's you know the the the, the swag, the appeal, the, the 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 it's him type of mentality. Like you see him, there's something different about him. But when you look at Bukao's resume, you're gonna see a whole lot of green on his uh Wikipedia and not a lot of red. You know, not a lot of losses there. That's why you consider these guys the best. Steven Wonderboy Thompson is considered one of the best kickboxing talents because it's easy to see with the eyes, what he can do with his distant boxing, the way he can find his straight shots, the way he can sneak in his head kicks, the ability to to turn and, and, and spin and do uh, the karate style fighting. But man, he didn't do it against the elite guys. It did not happen. So those are all arguments that hurt him. And it does hurt him that other guys took that risk and went ahead and said, I'm going to try this rule set. I'm going to try this. I'm going to move myself. I'm going to put myself in that position. goes a long way. So it should be noted there. Uh, some people say he's great kickboxing. He's not even the greatest kickboxing in mixed martial arts right now as far as resume goes. Adesanya had a much better resume. And Alex Pereira had a much better resume. It's so important that you guys understand. These guys weren't good. These guys were great when they were kickboxing. In particular, Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira had probably one of the great runs of all time at middleweight in kickboxing not just winning but winning by ko he is a violent violent dude he's a special special talent 
he has a better, great, greater kickboxing record against but greater guys than Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Doesn't mean Stephen Wonderboy Thompson isn't good. Doesn't mean he isn't an all-time great talent. But his talent didn't get tested in the way that Alex's talent was tested, in the way Andy Hook's talent was tested, in the way Glover for Ter- uh, Teixeira and Francisco Filho. Those guys, their skill was tested. Their karate skill was tested against elite kickboxing guys. They had some success. They had some losses. But you know afterwards, and that really, really helps them. So finally, we want to go ahead and address the undefeated thing, the 55-0, and 0, and, and you'll be hard-pressed even on his Wikipedia page to find anybody who can find all 55 pro fights. Doesn't mean he's not dope, just means that it's hard to find all 55 of his fights. In his same era, he fought 2002, 2007, 2008-ish, I think 2000, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, let me double check, let me back that up. Uh, I know his last... I think it was 2006 was his last, um, uh, yep, I got it in front of me. 2006, February, or excuse me, November 10th against Carl's Turney. Nope, 2007. Okay, I was right. 2007 World Combat League in Pennsylvania. That was his last fight. So most of his, if you go to Wikipedia right now, his pro record is 2002 to 2007. Okay. During that same period of time, if you feel the 55 and 0 is very important to you and you need to hear an argument against it, you need to know who Samir Muhammad is. In the exact same era, in the exact same era, Samir Muhammad at one period of time was 112 and 0. And not only was he 112 and 0, but he would, the, the knock on him was that he would fight kickboxers and Muay Thai and Muay Thai fighters and kickboxing like that was the knock on him so then he'd go ahead and go against uh, Samir Muhammad uh, who was one of my favorite fighters of all time Samir Muhammad uh, he beats uh, Samir Muhammad in Muay Thai because Samir Muhammad was a Muay Thai guy who did kickboxing so he flipped it and he was able to get another victory over him when they changed the rule set shout out great great much respect much credit due for him doing that he finally loses to Samir uh, Berchi, uh, excuse me, Berberchi, and that was, uh, excuse me, Berbachi, split decision, and that was way later in his career. I remember how, like, weird it was like in the ring. There was, like, an odd, you were celebrating, but it was just crazy. I think it was 118 by the time he finally lost. So even in his era, if you want to say 155 was impressive, 155 was not impressive compared to Samir Muhammad. In his era, there was better guys who did kickboxing. And again, Samir challenged himself and went against the best guys in different fight styles. So, I will close by simply saying this. If you're going to make an argument for him, if you're going to make an argument for Wonderboy Thompson being the best kickboxer of all time, you can't just say 55-0 and zero as the be all end all close all arguments you have to say i believe he's the best because he beat this guy beat him at this time beat him in this way and this guy's really good this guy's beating other people but most of the people and this is the only thing i'll say that's insulting at all most of the people who are quoting the 55 and O have not put any resume or put any work into looking at the resume of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and comparing it to other people 
in the kickboxing world. Like they haven't put the time in. They just held that they got a good enough argument to hold their ground on and not move further than it. And I'm telling you, if you talk to somebody who's in kickboxing, saying 55 and 0 as the reason why a person's great will make you sound stupid. They won't believe it. We've seen a lot of guys get to huge, huge records. Look at some of the elimination or some of the uh, regional tournament rounds for the K1 uh, uh, heavyweight tournaments in the 2000s. I remember it was one guy who was like 80 and one, and he goes out there and he gets absolutely just smashed by a K1 regular. The top of the top was a top for a reason. These guys were not just guys with good records. They were beating guys that were legit guys. And if you weren't a legit guy when you went against them, it was exposed immediately. This doesn't mean you're a bad fighter. just means you weren't good enough. In that era, when you talk about a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you have to say, on top of the 55, he's great because he beat this guy, and he beat this guy how, in this way, and this guy beat all these guys. I don't think anybody who's really made a strong argument for him can say that. I believe most of you guys are finding out a lot of the names that you know they fought just by talking to me right now, or listening to me right now. He's a wonderful, super talented fighter super talented skilled fighter he is not even in the top 1000 kickboxers of all time doesn't mean he couldn't have been it just means that there are guys with better resumes and that's this game there's nothing wrong with that you know what i'm saying 1000 is kind of pushing it not in the top 300 he's not one of the greats he's just not doesn't mean he didn't have the skill to be one of the greats but instead, he made the much more financially lucrative move. And the thing that Adesanya talked about, it would bother him if people said, oh, just going to grappling would beat you. And that's why he went into MMA. He gets a lot of love and credit for me because of that, you know, because that is something Adesanya did, Alex Pereira did. It's important to these guys that, okay, don't just think I'm a stand-up guy. I can neutralize your wrestling and grappling and still beat you. And that goes a long way for me. It really does. So, hopefully you guys don't all hate me after that, but uh, that is me giving the honest truth about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's resume. Awesome talent, awesome skill, really, really good fighter. His resume towards the other greats in his weight class of his era is not comparative. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have their resume. Just going to go ahead and go on and finish the show by talking about the Glory kickboxing results and man, I mean, I I love glory kickboxing. I love kickboxing. I love this rivals event. It was everything that you want from a show. Now clearly there wasn't a lot of stoppages. There were some knockdowns. There wasn't a lot of stoppages. But when I say that kickboxing the product of kickboxing is at its best. It's at its best when elite fight the elite. And the back and forth leaves you in doubt with who's going to win. That's why I feel like when we're at our best, we are the best show. Like kickboxing is the best show. Uh, I feel like this had a little bit of everything and some stuff that I really, really liked. I'll go ahead and start jumping into it. So uh, Tessa Decorum gets a victory over Manazo Kabayashi. Uh, 
you know, unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-28, 30-28. Tessa scored a knockdown. Uh, she countered a high kick. Minazzo threw a high kick. She blocked high. She landed it right down the middle. Gets her a knockdown in the first round. That got her up. Kobayashi did some good stuff, like with her combo work, to get her back into the fight. But it's hard to overcome a knockdown. Uh, and the decision goes to Tessa. Good for Tessa. I'm telling you already, she could be in line for a title shot. Just because uh, at the moment, there's not a lot of female fighters in the glory that's fighting on a regular basis. So this fight pretty much probably decided on who the next title uh, challenger will be for Tiffany Von Seuss. I'm super high on Chad Collins. You know, I've been watching him for a while. I brought up when I was working with Glory that this is a guy to sign. Man, he's a talent. Goes out there against Hiroki uh, Kasahara. He kickboxed great. Uh, there was a 30-29, 30-28, 30-27. To me, it was clear. I thought Collins outskilled him. Looked absolutely wonderful. Combo flow was good. Kick flow. He's got a good style for kickboxing for a guy who did, you know, full rules Muay Thai. Sorry to everyone that just noticed a recent glitch. I am fighting sickness. I've been sick. Um, so I'm just re-recording uh, some of it. So please forgive. Just uh, wanted to make sure that I gave you a clean, clean product that that really represented kickboxing in a high way i don't want to be cup you know coughing through it so get right back into it um Pechkose gets a victory over yamada uh he is a yamada's at the end and this was his retirement fight Petch is going to be tough to beat for anybody he is it's not just the body kick it's the timing of his boxing he finds the right kind of shot the right kind of time uh the, the threat of this high kick the consistency it, it's He's going to be tough for anybody to beat. He could be champion for a very long time in glory. The only guy that really offered him anything was Robin Van Roosmalen because Robin could bang out in the pocket. And most people still feel that Robin isn't the level of Petch, like some people felt that way. Um, but he still would offer good consistency. I saw something the other day. It said Robin Van Roosmalen fought for glory 20 times. That's amazing. That is amazing. So Petch... Getting that victory since then, um, been very few times during his fights where you watch where you go, okay, this was a super skilled guy, or this guy was competitive, or this guy got the better of him. It's you don't see that much, you know. You you can only make an argument that people made the fight close or had good moments, but Petch is really, really a once in a lifetime talent. This guy's good. He really showed some very good skill. He did very good. Uh, he gets the victory. And one of the funner fights of the card, Kato Ono gets a victory over Stoyan uh, Karpovalinsky. Uh, split decision, 39-29, uh, 29-30, 30-29. One, you know, all the judges had one round being the difference in the, you know, the direction for the other person. You get a lot of 10-10s if you guys are wondering why that scorecard sounds weird. K1, uh, Japan in particular, K1, Rise. They love them some 10-10 rounds. If there's not a clear decider of the round, it's 10-10. So, good back and forth. Could have gone either way. Uh, Kato is a big-time victory for him. Super skilled. Um, Stoyan's fine. He's going to be at the top, but it's cool that Kato got this victory. I love the relationship between uh, Glory and Rivals. It really showed up well. And then finally, Kento Huraguchi is got to be the star for future in Japan. He's got to be one of the top fives you mentioned. He really put on a clinic with Shihiro Adamchak. Some, I saw one 30-28, but the other were 30-27, and to me it was clear. Kento was a step ahead. He was longer. He was able to score his boxing, turn the corner. He's able to angle out. He was able to add his uh, kicks, uh, you know, both, you know, uh, legs, body, and head. He threw some flash in there. 
he is a talent. He is a talent. They've got something with Kento Hiroguchi. It's just about building this guy into a star now because that is the difficulty. Tenshin Nasukawa, <coughs> excuse me, was helped by his youth. That helped him become a star. Takuro was helped by his violence. That helped him become a star. Kento, you're beating good guys. We got to make you a star. Maybe if he fights and he beats Petch, that could do it. Glory's got the name. It'll give him an opportunity to travel international and improve his brand. And anytime you're a fighter with international success, you go back to Japan, makes you more successful. So time will tell there, but they've got a talent. They've got a talent on their hand, and he is a special, special young man. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Again, forgive some of the errors and some of the uh, edits because... I have been sick and I have been coughing, so I try to clean up most of them, but man, I'm so grateful to be doing the podcast on a regular basis, and uh, you guys will be hearing from me again next week. I'm starting to put together my list for fight of the year, KO of the year, men's and women's female fight of the year, so thanks, follow along, and God bless.